Before we begin the podcast, I'd like to acknowledge that I'm recording on stolen and unseated Gadigal lands. Welcome back to That's Hot, the podcast helping you get even hotter than you already are by giving you all of the information that you need to help the world get cooler. I'm Tegan. And I'm Lizzie. In today's episode... Lizzie and I will be chatting to Lee Eubank, climate campaigner at Climate Action Network Australia and a key organiser for the Dirty Dozen campaign. You might be asking, what is the Dirty Dozen campaign? So let's chat to Lee to find out. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's so hot. Lee, thanks so much for chatting to us today. So to kick things off, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name's Lee Eubank. I am a a campaigner at Climate Action Network Australia. And yeah, for the last 10, 12 years, I've been highly engaged in grassroots community campaigns for renewable energy and Mm -hmm. for, you know, the strong policies that we really need to see from government that will rein in Australia's emissions and, and, you know, really help us steer ourselves away from this, you know, climate disaster mm. that we're kind of heading towards at the moment. So, yeah. you know, apply the handbrake, pull the emergency lever. That's kind of yeah. what I've been up to. Amazing. Have you been at Canada the whole time, Climate Action Network? No, I've been at Climate Action Network Australia for about three months. So okay. it's a, a pretty pretty new gig. Awesome. Um, but before that, I did a 10-year a stint at Friends of the Earth Melbourne, awesome. which is just such a an amazing kind of engine room for community campaigning down in Victoria. Mm, Amazing. Cool. So I guess the topic of today's podcast that we want to discuss is the safeguard mechanism and we'll get into the Dirty Dozen campaign. But I guess like I don't know if a lot of people understand or know what the safeguard mechanism is. So in its most basic sort of terms, how would you describe the safeguard mechanism? Yes, look, it is, it's quite an octopus of, of a policy, I must yeah. say. In all of the years of climate campaigning I've done, this is the most complicated policy to explain and, and, you know, really engage the community on. Mm-hmm. But I think that all of us, we need to keep front of mind that it's a climate policy. Yeah. And climate policies should be pretty simple. They should be judged on whether or not they deliver emissions cuts. So that's kind of the litmus test for the government and that's what we really need to keep front of mind. Mm -hmm. In terms of the safeguard mechanism, it has a a bit of a funny history actually. So back in 2013 when Tony Abbott was elected, shortly after that his government scrapped the the national economy-wide carbon price that was set in place by the Gillard government. And I guess the, the olive branch to kind of show that they were doing something on climate was this policy called the safeguard mechanism. Mm -hmm. So the safeguard mechanism, it basically covers large industrial polluters. So whether that's a coal mine or a gas refinery or like an aluminium smelter, cement works, so on and so forth. And it required those companies, well, actually, it set a limit on the amount of pollution that could come from those facilities. Yeah. Unfortunately, because the Abbott government wasn't really interested in tackling climate change. No, really crazy. (laughs) I always think of Tony Abbott, the peak of climate campaign. (laughs) I know, it's it's that and onions for some reason. (laughs) Um, But basically, the government, they, they didn't set 
realistic limits for those mm. polluters. They kind of had maximum headroom, so there was no real impetus to drive emissions reduction from those polluters. So you kind of feel like it's like you need to go on a diet, but within that diet you can still have like anything you want. A large McDonald's <laughs> meal and you can have yeah, you can have this like massive slab of donuts every day is sort of the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, 100%. And look, you know, flash forward to 2022, we had the election of the Albanese government. Mm-hmm. You know, they were elected with the mandate to reduce the country's emissions by 43% this decade. They were also elected with a mandate to strengthen this safeguard mechanism so that it actually delivers emissions reductions. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a few other things for for your listeners to to note about it. So the 215 big polluters that are captured in the safeguard mechanism, they represent 28% of the country's emissions. That's crazy. So we have to get this right. Like we can't you know, let these polluters get away with it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, community members across the country, we're pulling our weight on climate. You know, people are putting solar on their roofs. Yeah, exactly. Purchasing green power, riding their bicycles around. It really is time for these industrial polluters to do their fair share. So that's Mm. what we're really, really calling for the government to do. And I guess like these sort of big polluters are the ones that brought about the idea of personal footprint and like reducing your own emissions in your own home. And at the same time, they're allowed to emit however many millions of tonnes of carbon that they do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we can all take steps in our own lives and in our communities to do the right thing and to show Mm. that leadership, to set the example but, you know, ultimately the bulk of the pollution that is trashing the atmosphere, uh, driving climate change, you know, it is done by big, big multi-billion dollar mm. companies. And, you know, the, the time has come for them to yeah. actually pull their weight. Yeah, absolutely. So given that, as you sort of just described then, the safeguard mechanism in its previous format, partly because of who and why it was initially designed, hasn't really been doing what it needs to do. And as you outlined, ultimately a climate policy needs to achieve improved in climate goals. Mm. What is the Labor government proposing and how is that actually going to start to make this a more effective policy? Yeah, so firstly, there will be kind of reasonable limits <laughs> for, the, for the industrial polluters. Yeah, so going to have to have some salads in there, <laughs> exactly. donuts, yeah. Exactly. So there's kind of realistic caps on yeah. the pollution. Yeah. There will be a requirement that each of those facilities reduces its emissions by 4.9% a year mm-hmm. out to 2030, and then beyond then they'll have to continue that downward trajectory to 2050 mm-hmm. and also there will be established these so-called safeguard mechanism credits so mm-hmm. that basically means that if you're a polluter that manages to install some new technology you adopt new processes and you cut emissions mm-hmm. you can trade that surplus with an entity that hasn't been able to do it yet Interesting. So I think the classic example would be, you know, we might see new technology adopted in steelmaking or aluminium, for example, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, the aviation sector, 
there is no off-the-shelf electric plane at the moment. (laughs) So weird. Why haven't they invented that yet? (laughs) I mean, we could go back to blimps, of course. Um, Maybe, like a little hot air balloon. (laughs) (laughs) Something about the Chinese spy balloon in there, make it relevant to this current Yeah, yeah, we might get bloody shot down by the United States, but um, we won't do that. (laughs) Yeah, so basically, you know, one of the reforms the government is trying to get in place is the establishment of that kind of trading element. Yeah. So in essence, this safeguard mechanism is like a cap and trade scheme for the industrial yeah. sector. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. I mean, the improvements to the safeguard mechanism, they sound really great. I'm interested to know like what the limitations of these sort of proposals mm. are and like what, yeah. what issues are still arising out of this. Yeah, there's two aspects that we really need the government to work on. We mm. need to see improvement with offsets. So at the moment, the proposal that has come from the the Albanese government, it would allow polluters to entirely offset their emissions that are kind of over that limit that I mentioned yeah, yeah. before. But what we know is that offsets aren't equivalent to genuine emissions reductions or mm. avoided emissions. So we're, you know, ramping up our community campaign to call for the government to rule out the unfettered use of offsets. Mm. The only other country on the planet that allows polluters to entirely offset their emissions is Kazakhstan. Nice. I reckon Australia can, we can do better than Kazakhstan. Come on, yeah. if this was the Olympics, we'd be aiming for gold. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to bloody tackling climate, you know, we're settling for, you know, right back at the it, end of the Yeah, you know, I do think we need more metal, more metal tallies somehow. That <laughs> seems like maybe what's missing from this. That is so yeah. interesting. I, I didn't realise that there were so many other countries that didn't allow the offsetting part of that, of, of, of a scheme, basically. Mm. And yeah, in terms of, you know, other developed countries, Canada allows for polluters to offset 75% of their emissions. Gotcha. But, you know, that's still ahead of, you know, what mm. the government has put on the table. And then the other aspect is if the government allows so-called new entrants into the scheme, it will make it a heavier lift for the facilities that are already captured by the scheme. Mm. So, you know, if you've got a new coal mine that comes online, that will mean a heavier lift for Qantas, gotcha. for the aviation sector, for the cement mm. works and everyone. So, yeah, we need that to be dealt with, particularly when it comes to new coal, oil and gas. Yeah. We know that those sectors, they're irredeemable. We need to rapidly shift away from them if we're to mm. avoid catastrophic climate impacts. So, you know, the government should be ruling out special treatment for, yeah. for new fossil fuels. Yeah. People often say, you know, when they're talking about these new approvals, oh, you know, but it's it's either good for local jobs or, you know, at the moment it's been a lot around, we Mm. need new energy to come online. Can you sort of break down why some of those arguments sort of, I guess, aren't quite on the level and why we don't actually need new fossil fuel? Obviously, we understand from a climate perspective, we don't, but can you break down some of those other arguments around that? Yeah, sure. Look, for your listeners that are, that are interested in the, the jobs and employment uh, linked to the fossil fuel sector, the Australia Institute have consistently done excellent research on this and they've found time and time again that the fossil fuel sector, the mining sector, they really over-egg the amount of jobs that, mm. that they're creating. But I think what we're seeing at the moment, you know, with the renewable energy transformation that's occurring across the country, you know, we're seeing new jobs coming online. 
with wind energy, yeah. solar installation. Now we've got batteries coming online. In Western Victoria, we've got manufacturers actually building the turbine towers themselves. Yeah, and wow. on the horizon, we have, you know, the prospect of a, a jobs-rich offshore wind industry. Mm. And, you know, when it comes to renewable energy, offshore wind is kind of the, the peak job creator. Yeah. You know, all of the maritime movement that you that, that's required to get the operations and maintenance teams out to the, the turbines, you know, there's also a heavier lift in terms of construction. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is offshore wind. It is a really reliable kind of renewable energy source that can, yeah. you know, help Victoria, help Australia meet its peak energy demands. So that's really exciting. Yeah, amazing. amazing. So you're a campaigner. You've been doing this for a long time. Yep. In terms of like getting these demands across to the Labor Party, in terms of strengthening what the safeguard mechanism can do, what campaign are you running? Yeah, look, at the moment, there's a a campaign to clean up the dirty dozen polluters. Mm -hmm. So Climate Action Network Australia, we're involved in that campaign Our allies, Climate Council, Australian Conservation Foundation are also highly engaged and rolling out the grassroots kind of community aspect of the campaign. We have Friends of the Earth Melbourne and the Queensland Conservation Council and grassroots groups wherever, you you know, wherever you are in Australia, I can guarantee there'll be some grassroots effort towards this. Yeah. So what what we're doing, we're calling for the dirty dozen to start pulling their weight on climate mm-hmm. over the last couple, well, actually back in December, we kicked off this campaign with a sign on letter to the dirty dozen polluters. We had 48 organizations across the country endorse that letter calling for them to do the right thing, to support a strong safeguard mechanism. Yeah. We hand delivered it to all of the headquarters. We emailed it to the CEOs. We had full page ads in the newspaper Despite Amazing. all of those efforts, we only had two responses. Yeah. Oh, who were they from? Um, <laughs> so we had Ang- Anglo-American, which is a yep. coal company, and ExxonMobil, which is obviously uh, petroleum. Yeah. And those two responses were just one sentence, we will comply with the safeguard mechanism <laughs> in amongst, like, yeah. in amongst the, all of this greenwash and corporate yeah, skin. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, the community, went, we're not going to be discouraged by that lack mm. of engagement. And what we're seeing over the month of February and into March is community actions at the headquarters of these dirty dozen companies. In early February, we had community members out the front of Appia, which is mm-hmm. the um, kind of peak lobby group for fossil gas in Australia. Mm. We had actions occurring at the Minerals Council headquarters, BHP. So communities, they're raising their voices, they're taking action, they're directly calling for these dirty dozen polluters to just stop what they're doing. Mm. Amazing. So these 12, the dirty dozen, these Mm. are the like highest emitting of the 215, is that right? Yeah, so this is the... The top 12 fossil fuel polluters in the safeguard scheme Mm -hmm. and their combined emissions represents 40% of the emissions in the safeguard mechanism. So they are, they are the dirty, they are the dirty dozen. They're very dirty. (laughs) (laughs) To stick with the movie themes, you know, it, it contains the usual suspects. 
of coal and gas companies. So we've got yeah. Woodside, Chevron, Santos. Mm. We've also got ExxonMobil and yeah. Shell, various other polluting companies in there, BHP. Mm. So, yeah, it's really important for community members to to push back on these polluters. Um, yeah, it's time mm-hmm. to raise our voice and send a message to the government. Yeah, absolutely. So we always like to finish our episodes with an action item, something hot that our listeners can do to help them get hotter and the earth get cooler. (laughs) What can people do to support this campaign and, yeah, help raise the alarm and raise their voices? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. So what we're doing on Friday the 10th of March, we're holding a day of action. So we're inviting people wherever you are around Australia you know, your international listeners, we'd love their engagement as well. Yeah. So it'll be a national day of action. We're calling for people to post a selfie on social media, something like this. He brought props, he came prepared. (laughs) There we go. This will go well in an audio audio medium. It said safeguard our climate. (laughs) Oh, there we go. We'll pop the clip up as well. Not the profits. Um, But yeah, we... (laughs) Look, we need there to be a tsunami of community faces on mm. Friday, the 10th of March. You know, we need to make sure that the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, that Minister Chris Bowen, get the message. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, they're sitting on the fence. They've got a decision to make. Are they yeah. going to back the community or are they yeah. going to back these big polluters? Mm. Um, yeah. I, think, I think the Albanese government can do the right thing. It's within yeah. their power to do the right thing. But if we're going to get them off the fence and get them into the community's corner, we yeah. really need to have a lot of engagement. All yeah, of, of the information for that action will be available on the Climate Action Network Australia website. Awesome. You can reach that simply by visiting cana, C-A-N-A, dot net, dot A-U, forward Amazing. slash Dirty Dozen. We will um, pop that link into our show notes as well and we can link it to our link in bio on our Instagram. Awesome. Easy to find. And, I mean, I don't wish to rag, but Chris Bowen does now follow us on Instagram as of like a week ago. So, oh, you know, I think nice. I think we've got an in. Chris, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he's quite a regular pod listener. But maybe we can get him there. <laughs> One day. Speak yeah. straight to him. That would be great. Thank you so much for talking with us. It was amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very happy to, to talk about community campaigning. It's, um, you know, there's so much incredible, inspiring work happening at the grassroots level. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.